and strangers, does that not make you a serial killer? I didn't kill him every day, did I? Did I go out there every day and say, hmm, I'm going to kill him? If I did, there would be hundreds. It took you 12 months. Then he rings up Rex again, and that's when I just looked at him and I started sobbing. If I had shot my own children, would I not have done a good job of it? Because, you know, first of all, women generally don't commit crimes this heinous. Right. Uh, you know, this is usually the domain of men. That's unfortunate. Hi, Gabe. Hey, Danny. You ready for this? Always. All right. This is Murder. I don't know what episode anymore. It would be eight. Did we just do seven? It'll be a surprise. We, well, eight became six, but <laughs> seven remained seven. So this is episode. But we also have eight. to listen to the one that I edited and see if you want to use it. Right. Uh, episode undetermined. Again. Yeah, again. All right. This one, it's pretty gnarly. I'm ready. Okay. We, we grew up uh, in a beach town. Everything here is gnarly. <laughs> it's true. That is a pretty um, surfer <laughs> term, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're going to, this is about a woman named Catherine Knight. We're going to travel all the way from California to Australia here. Okay. The... Before Catherine was even born, we're going to talk about her mom, just because this impacted Catherine in the future. So her mom was named Barbara, and she was married to a man named Jack. And Barbara and Jack had four sons together. And then Barbara began to have an affair with Jack's friend and co-worker named Ken. They were from a small town, it's called Aberdeen in Australia and this was a really small town so this was a huge scandal. Catherine and Ken ended up bailing and they moved away. She left her four kids behind. Two of her kids ended up moving in with their aunt and then the other two stayed with the dad Jack. So Barbara and Ken after moving away they ended up having four kids together. So Barbara had a total of eight kids. Uh, two of the new kids she had with Ken were twins, and one of them was named Catherine. Uh, four years after Catherine was born, Jack, the previous husband, died, and the two sons who were living with him ended up moving in with Ken and Barbara. Ken and Barbara moved back to Aberdeen at this point because Jack was dead and the scandal kind of died with him. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess to make things shorter, Ken was just an asshat. He was a total awful person. He was an alcoholic, and he he uh, regularly raped his wife Barbara. Barbara uh, more than regularly raped. He like full on emotionally abused her. He was just terrible. Barbara began to talk to her kids about her sex life, her young children, and they saw this abuse because he never tried to hide it. Overall, it was a very bad situation where Catherine grew up. She eventually left school early at the age of 15 and she got a job in a clothing store and then left that for her dream job, which was to work in a slaughterhouse. Was that really her dream job? Yeah. What? <laughs> so you know how some towns are centered around one, like, 
factory or right. one thing that employs a large number of them. Yeah. So for this small town, it was this slaughterhouse. Less so because it was slaughtering animals and more so because it was the, the, the company to work at in her area. I think it was a little bit of both because after she got this job, she rose through the ranks really quickly and she was given her very own set of butcher knives. <laughs> okay. She hung them above her bed every night. But then how did she use them? Every night. Like after oh, work. Oh, I'm sorry. Every, yeah. Sorry. yeah. <laughs> so you have to wash them every night and then hang them up and then They're her pride down. and joy. Still, hunters hang up guns, but they only use them during a season, usually. She could keep them up on the weekends. Um, <laughs> but anyways, they come into play later. Okay. But she was described as by her coworkers as like seeming to enjoy her job more than most. They're just jealous she takes pride in her work. <laughs> I don't know if I could take pride in that. Uh, Catherine was very known for her angry outbursts mm. and enthusiasm to engage in fights. She was very into hand-to-hand -hand combat. And in 1973, she met a coworker named David and they got married in 1974. She was 19. Uh, so David was also an alcoholic, but he was described as like a good guy. On their wedding night, David woke up to find Catherine sitting over him trying to strangle him. <laughs> trying to? Yeah. He woke up and stopped her, but like... <laughs> Yeah, she tried to kill him on their wedding night because he only had sex with her three times and then he fell asleep. And she was just not happy with that. Talk about insatiable, damn. Mm-hmm. So their marriage was pretty much just full of violent outbursts from her and jealousy and abuse and her, like, doing awful things and then apologizing and bringing him back in and then doing these awful things again. And in 1976, so two years after they got married, Catherine had her first kid with him. But David was just finally, he was so fed up with this relationship that he left her for another woman and moved. Something tells me she won't handle that well. Well, she was seen pushing her baby in a stroller down the street and violently throwing it from side to side and just hitting things with the child in it. <laughs> okay. Uh, people ended up calling the police on her and she was taken to St. Elmo's Hospital and was diagnosed with postnatal depression. A few weeks later, Catherine was released and she then took her child and put the child on train tracks like in a stroller and just left it, her there. It was a girl. So Catherine left, stole an axe, went into town, and just started threatening people. Okay. Like, she had, like, a breakdown. Luckily, a man saw the baby on the train tracks and rescued her before the train came. And Catherine was once again arrested. Uh, she ended up at St. Elmo's again, but she managed to check herself out the next day. Why? <laughs> Uh, cause she could. They couldn't. They can't like hold her unless she's on 
a psychiatric hold than she wasn't. But she should have been. I mean, she, she attempted to kill yeah. her baby she, twice. Yeah. And then her other people. Yeah. <laughs> that, that doesn't seem like someone who should be able to check themselves out. Uh-huh. Yeah, so... Hmm. She left and then decided she needed revenge on David for leaving her. She kidnapped a woman to use the car. They needed to stop to get gas, and the woman managed to escape into the gas station. The woman and, like, some staff barricaded themselves into, like, a back office, but Catherine grabbed a boy, like a small little boy, and was using, trying to use him as a hostage with a knife. A policeman <laughs> managed to disarm her with a broom. He, like, took a broom and swatted her. <laughs> so then she was arrested, and when David heard about this, he actually left his girlfriend and moved back to Aberdeen with his mom to help take care of Catherine. Yeah, she needs more help than that. They ended up having another child together. And then Catherine ended up leaving David. Classic. She met another guy, and guess what his name was? Was it David? It was David. She has a type. It's good <laughs> for her. She knows what she wants. Yeah. So this was two years after leaving David. She finds a new David, who I'm going to call by his last name, Saunders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this new David, Saunders, got together, and their relationship had similar problems. She actually cut the throat of his two-month-old puppy, to show him what would happen if he ever left her. Okay. Any sympathy our listeners might have for her probably went out the window with that one. Yes, probably. They had a kid together in 1988. So this is two years after they got together. And then one night they had an argument and Catherine hit him in the face with an iron and then stabbed him in the stomach. He managed to get away and then went into hiding. Like he went into hiding? Yeah, he full on left and like he told everybody in the town, don't tell her where I am, don't tell her you know anything about me. He just fled. And then she actually, to get back at him, she went to the police and claimed that she was scared of him and that he was hurting her. Right. And she like took out a restraining order so he couldn't see her or his kid. So then in 1990, she was with a man for three years named, not David, but John Chillingworth. That's not a real name. I know, right? <laughs> um, she was with him for three years and they had a child together. And there wasn't really anything about this relationship. Like it seemed fine. There's no reported abuse or anything. So I don't know if maybe just John was like not reporting anything <laughs> i don't know just possible mm -hmm. so she was with this john chillingsworth for three years and they had a kid together and then she ended up leaving him for a man she had been having an affair with this appears to be a pattern <laughs> yes <laughs> was this other guy's name david it was actually john <laughs> really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was john price <laughs> <laughs> so she went from Two Davids to two Johns. Uh-huh. Okay. At least, she, you know, she has a pattern. She really does. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So I'm going to call this next John Price. Okay. 
And Price was described as like a good guy. He had been divorced and he kept his two kids. His wife kept the youngest one. So he had a total of three kids. And she has three kids at this point, right? Yes, but they're all with other people. Okay, so they've been taken away by family or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not with her. Got it. So Price worked for the local mines and he made pretty good money. He supported both of them. She had previously hurt her back and lost her job at the slaughterhouse. However, when Knight was like, hey, we should get married and Price refused, she took pictures of stuff that Price had taken from work and sent them to his boss and got him fired. And it was just like old expired medical kits that the company had thrown away. So he took them out of the trash, but Price was still fired after working for this company for 17 years. It's a bit odd. Why would they fire him for taking trash? Because the way that Knight, uh, the way that Catherine framed it, she made it look like they weren't old. She made it look like he was stealing from the company. Okay, I see. He kicked her out, but they ended up together again a few months later. However, he wouldn't let her move in. Hmm. Smart. I mean, dumb to take her back, but smart to keep her out of the house, I guess. Yeah. In early 2000, things kind of escalated and Price ended up taking a restraining order out on her. She ended up at his house and convinced him to let her come in and have sex with her. After Price fell asleep, this is where things escalate to a thousand here. You ready? Yeah. Okay. So after uh, Price fell asleep, Catherine took her butcher knives and stabbed him 37 times. She then skinned his body, hung up the skin on a meat hook, decapitated him, cooked parts of his body with cabbage, potatoes, zucchini, and a side of gravy, and she took uh, she set out two place settings where she put his kids names next to him with on the place settings were was the meal she prepared prepared with his body were the kids home the kids were at a friend's house but they think that she was waiting for them to come home and then she was going to feed them this meal there was a third plate of food found in the backyard, like thrown out in the backyard, and they think that Knight had tried to eat it and was a- unable to, so she threw it out. Wait, so who who found her again? So she. Oh yeah, I kind of skipped over that, didn't I? Yeah. Price's neighbors noticed that his car was still there when he should have have uh, left for work, and he had also been talking to his coworkers and his neighbors about fearing Catherine doing something to him. Mm-hmm. So when he didn't turn up for work and his neighbors noticed his car was there, they called in, both of them called in a wellness check and the police came. And the police saw blood on the front door and they broke down the back door. And that is where they came in and found everything. Price's head was found in a, uh, found boiling in a pot with vegetables. And then Knight was found unconscious having taken an abundance of pills in an attempt to commit suicide. 
she was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, and she was the first Australian woman to be sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Okay, so was it guilt that led her to attempt suicide at the end there? She claims to not remember any of this. Hmm. She said, so she never gave a reason. Uh, She originally tried to plead not guilty due to like insanity but after so they had a whole day where they tried to get jurors but due to the atrocity is that the right word yeah yeah of this case they had a really hard time getting people as jurors so after a full day of interviewing people and then having people like be like no i don't want to see these pictures they had warned the jurors and they like gave them the option to get out the next day when they're trying to find more jurors Catherine just changed her mind and decided to plead guilty hmm. but claimed she still didn't remember it i don't believe that but i do believe she has a case for the insanity defense she clearly is not well yeah, she was actually diagnosed with borderline personality disorder by two separate psychiatrists. I don't know if like a mental illness like that would classify as... Because I, I know the insanity defense, there's actually a pretty high burden of proof needed. Uh, there's like a high standard to achieve that. Mm-hmm. People often... Uh, yeah, I think... I'm thinking back to my criminology classes, but I think... You remember like, them? vaguely but i think less less than five percent of those who plead try to plead insanity actually get get that sentence yeah granted most people try to not everyone who pleads that is actually insane or anywhere near insane Mm -hmm. they just see, see it as the as the lesser of two evils but still there is a pretty high bar i mean you have to be able to prove that the person was not in the right state of mind and they were incapable of understanding right from wrong in that moment which with her with borderline personality disorder I don't actually know how much of it is oh I don't know what right from wrong is but either way your your amygdala is so fired up in that moment you can fly off the handle with the smallest provocation and there's a lot of paranoia that go- comes with that mm-hmm. that condition. So much, yeah. So. Yeah, the crime scene photos were supposedly just some of the worst things the judges and the policemen have ever seen. A lot of the policemen who came into the crime scene ended up needing therapy, and quite a few of them ended up ultimately leaving the force because of it. Understandable. I mean, to... I mean, seeing a skinned human being hung up hung up, and knowing she was going to feed these kids their own father, yeah, that would give most people pause and make them want to rethink their career path. Yeah, it's gnarly. Hearing this, I, I could tell as you were like saying it, you were pretty bothered by it. <laughs> it's super gross. Like yeah. who... Who has the stomach to do that? Like, I know she's done it to animals, but to do it to a human, like... Yeah, she clearly... I shouldn't shouldn't say clearly, but there was probably more at play than just borderline personality disorder here because most people with 
BPD don't do this kind of stuff. I mean, they fly off the handle and they engage in yeah. very risky behaviors, but they're not going around decapitating people. No. So there was, there's clearly more here than that. But um, as far as how the cartel does it, I mean, some of these guys are, are guys are just psychopaths. Cause, uh, and I, we might not necessarily leave this part in mm-hmm. the podcast, but I, I've seen some of the footage of these cartel killings and it really is just it's that like it's that bad like some of these yeah. videos you see and you're just like wow these aren't like these aren't people they, <laughs> that can do this they're something else i know it's yeah how many i mean she went through a string of lovers right yeah so I, <laughs> this is dark but i wonder how many of them were like wow we dodged a bullet yeah. well, all of them I have that same thought with like one terrible ex of mine in particular who ended up having a kid fairly young because I was with her when I was a teen- teenager. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, she was pretty bad. Not, nowhere near this bad, but she was pretty bad. And even I go like, wow, I dodged a bullet. <laughs> so I can only imagine these guys. Definitely. What they're thinking. Like, yeah. oh, that could have been me. Like, mm-hmm. I could have been beheaded. I know. Well, I mean, she stabbed one of them. Or is it two of them? I guess I guess now it's two, but yeah. she stabbed the one prior to the guy In the she stomach. killed. Yeah, one of the Johns, was it? I think it was, yeah, because there is David. Then no, David. no, no, it was the second David. Second David, okay. Because yeah. John Chillingworth was like three years of nothing. Right. Okay, yeah, so she, she, hit, yeah, she hit him in the head with an iron and then stabbed him in the stomach. Yeah, so, so I think that was the second yeah. John. But to stab someone 37 times, I mean, you would... You would see that and think crime of passion. But then the other stuff is like... I mean, it totally was a crime of passion, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, well, it was up until she did everything else. Mm Because if she had stabbed him 37 times, that could have been like second degree murder kind of stuff. Like crime of passion situation. Uh But skinning, beheading, cooking, that's too much premeditation. You know, you're now doing this thing that takes several hours that's no longer a passion thing yeah i'm so curious actually maybe that's why she she didn't go with the insanity defense because that that was too much too long of a period of time to be yeah like she said she set a table she prepared a dinner like you can't be like oh i was a psychotic you know even even if it was that would just you would have a hard time convincing any jury that she, she at no point during any of that could have been like what have i done yeah uh i wonder if she did try to eat him probably yeah so is she st- she's still alive to this day i'm assuming because she was pretty yeah so she killed him in 2000 and she's right. still alive in in a woman's correctional facility in australia how old would she be now um she was born in 1955 okay wow so she wouldn't even be 70 yet she would be 65 2021 oops wait i can math or 66 if we go by just a year 66 look at you (laughs) math was over here it's okay you pulled out the calculator to to check my math (laughs) (laughs) yeah so she's 66 and in prison i wonder where her kids are yeah, that's what I'm kind of wondering. Or her siblings. So she has seven siblings. Yeah, and if they did anything, 
ever yeah. or like had any issues like well oh i totally didn't mention when she was a child when she was 11 yeah her uh stepbrothers uh yeah her stepbrothers raped her multiple times okay yeah so they're also garbage people so that kind of trauma could yeah facilitate that kind of thing mm -hmm. bpd if someone if someone in your immediate family like a parent has has it you are 10 times more likely to get it than like the average person and that's just the genetic component and it's hard to sort of parse that out as the literature sort of goes into because so much of that can be environment because you, you can say like oh the kids of someone with borderline personality disorder are 10 times more likely to get it must be genetics but you know if you're raising all these kids and yeah, if you're raising these kids in these environment, this environment, right. yeah, and they see it and they think it's like the normal way to act. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so that that ten times figure, take with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, um, it's possible her parents might have been predisposed to this. Yeah, but also they were put into this environment where they where they like saw their mom being raped regularly and right. She kind of just accepted it. Like once Catherine went to her mom and was like, hey, this guy like wants me to do this thing sexually that I don't want to do. And her mom was like, you suck it up and you do it. So <laughs> that just shows like the environment all these kids were raised in. Yeah. I wonder, and I want to know what happened to her siblings. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I couldn't even find their names. Yeah. Well, how much digging should we do? Because we found the bathtub girls. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I'm um, sure we could find them. I'm sure the brothers who raped her are probably in prison. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And did something stupid. Which is awful because you can't expect someone in her position at that age to have reported them. Mm -hmm. But it is it is awful. that I, th I believe the, the last statistic I heard, again, th thinking back to my criminology courses, is that the average rapist rapes about five times before they're caught. Jeez. Yeah. So that's a lot of damage one person can do before they get caught. It's a lot. Wow. Yeah. I don't suppose you have any, any herstory oh to, to lighten, the, lighten the segment. All right, Gabe. Are you ready for herstory? Let's do it. So, you know when you go to Trader Joe's and... I never go there. You know when you go to anywhere and they have yeah. paper bags right? and the paper bags are just there and they put stuff in them and it's great. It's yeah. so much easier than having to have like plastic bags with a special little hangy thing. Right. Do you know who invented the flat bottom of the paper bag? I can't imagine who. A woman. <laughs> Her name is Margaret Knight. No relationship oh. to Catherine Knight. We're having a whole name thing here today. That's pretty funny. We, so we have... Two knights, two Davids, two Johns. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, she actually started working in a paper uh, bag factory in the early 19th or no, in the 19th century. And she was like, this nonsense. You can't, you can't just like put a paper bag down because there's no flat bottom. And she invented not only the flat bottom, but the machine that like creates it, folds oh. it, and glues it. 
and she patented it. So she created the machine that's used in like the factory line. Mm-hmm. A similar um, machine is used today as well. Did she die rich? She never got married. She died single in 1914 at the age of 76. And um, yeah, I assume she was rich because she had like 26 patents and a company that she formed called the Eastern Paper Bag Company. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. No kids, 26 patents. Sounds pretty rich. Yeah. She is known as somebody who transgressed traditional gender roles by pursuing what she wanted to do. And she was also been called the woman Edison. Because of, all, because of all the patents. Yeah, and she just liked to invent stuff. It was like her passion. No, I'm sorry. She had 87 patents, not 26. Definitely rich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, mm -hmm. were some, what were some of her other patents? A clasp to hold robes shut. Oh. Uh-huh. And then she has six patents for machines used in the manufacturing of shoes. So that probably gets her some. It really makes you think, though, like a patent to hold uh, a robe shut. Yeah. Like that's, we should be looking around. And be like, what's not patented? Yeah, and the, the more so like look around in our day-to-day -day lives and think what little change could it be made to an item to improve its functionality? Because that's what it that's what it takes is looking at something and saying, okay, can I improve this easily? Like, would a small little change fix this or improve it? Yeah. I mean, I don't wear robes, but yeah. They, they I, need I, to stay shut. I, I know they're like geese where you have to use like a belt to keep them closed. But if you have a little clasp, that seems a lot more efficient. It really does, doesn't it? Yeah. I wonder why. Hmm. But what was her name again? Catherine Knight. Catherine Knight? No, no, the inventor. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Margaret Knight. <laughs> Margaret? Yeah. Yeah, Margaret Knight. Uh, yeah, so that is Margaret Knight. <laughs> Not to be confused with Catherine Knight, <laughs> the first woman in, in Australian history to receive life in prison. I mean, they both made history. That's true. Yeah. They both made her story. They did make her story. So one of them for something good, one not yeah. so much. Yeah. All right. Should we wrap it up? I think so. Let's see. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening to our different nights. <laughs> <laughs> and follow us on Instagram. Or visit us, visit us at murder.com. Is it up? It will be. There's a coming soon page, and you can you can <laughs> listen to all the episodes on that homepage, yeah. the current coming soon page. But uh, I think the, I think the site's ready to go up. All right. Have you seen it? I haven't. I haven't. Not since you first sent. Anyways, so yeah, <laughs> like us. No, follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Look us up at murder.com. And you can find us on Google Podcast, i, Heart. Apple Podcast, Apple or iTunes Podcast. Um, Apple Podcast. iHeartRadio, Spotify, there Stitcher, anywhere, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. We're that good now. <laughs> All right. Thank you.